0: Welcome to the Airline Pilot Podcast. I'm Jason Ambrosi. In this episode, we're continuing our two-part series of interviews with ALPA MEC chairs, checking in with Mike Sterling from ATI, Adam Spurrier from Endeavor, Garth Thompson from United, and Darren Hartman from Delta about what has happened at the bargaining table and in their pilot groups this year. Let's launch into our first interview with Mike and Adam. All right, well, I'm here with Captain Adam Spurrier, uh, Endeavor, and our Fee for Departure Committee Chair, as well as Captain Mike Sterling from ATI. So I appreciate you both joining us today here at the Executive Board in D.C. Thanks uh, for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, appreciate absolutely. it. Um, uh, Adam, let's start with you. So you, you wear two hats. You're the MEC Chair over at Endeavor, and I've had the pleasure of working with you for, for several years. And... Um, And you're also the fee-for-departure committee chair, so that's a lot of work. Tell us what's going on um, in the fee-for-departure world in a a nutshell.
1: Yeah, sure. It's a little bit of a balancing act right now as far as uh, fee-for-departure pilot representation goes. Of course, our uh, long-run objective is to have career stability, uh, benefits on par with our mainline partners for the size of aircraft that we fly, uh, but that becomes increasingly challenging as the flying is upgaged to mainline, uh, while opening future career opportunities for our pilots, it's tough to have that long-term stability right now at our carriers uh, across the U.S. and Canadian side of the industry.
0: So how are you handling the, the massive turnover in volunteers? I mean, I know that you know, most of the, not just at Endeavor, but many of the feet-for-departure carriers are, are just uh, suffering from, from a lack of volunteers because they're moving on so quickly.
1: There's a few different ways we've been trying to tackle that problem. Uh, as you mentioned at the start here, you know, we have a lot of our volunteers wearing multiple hats where you're you're branching out and trying to cover multiple holes, uh, just sticking a finger wherever you can really right now to fix the issues. Um, but that gets even more detrimental once that volunteer leaves. For example, if we have someone who's on pilot assistance as well as they're doing something with communications, they're doing something with membership, they're filling an immediate need on that uh, committee structure, but then when they leave for another carrier, it leaves you scrambling to backfill multiple positions. So there's not really uh, a, a great way that we've been trying to handle that problem. Um, it's, it's led to increased training costs, increased turnover across those roles, and there's opportunities out there for pilots who have that past experience that move on to another ALPA carrier to come back and help out in a pinch. But that's not always uh, a long term practical solution since your knowledge of the airline, of the contract, and of the the specific processes uh, start to fade over time the longer you've been working under another work group.
0: So, Mike, are you having any problem with the uh, volunteer turnover on, on your side? Oh, of my house? gosh. I think all the carriers, it's devastating. It, uh, <clears throat> you know,
2: attrition is a huge problem at the carrier and we have lost a lot of what we call our core competency captains that served as our volunteers our committee chairs and I mean I find people that will replace them with enthusiasm but you know it just brings the problem that they have to go through training and just become indoctrinated into whatever the process is they're involved with and that lapse of having somebody go out the door and then the months that it takes to really put somebody back into a position uh, it's hard to fill that gap so uh, i mean i appreciate the amount of volunteerism we have but it's becoming more and more of a problem and um, i mean a third of our property is on probation so you know that just exacerbates the whole thing,
0: so you know you're in a obviously a, a, a contract battle and um and how much does that in, impact the the attrition when you're you're not getting the response from management that you you deserve uh, you did just have a, a very successful picket on Wall Street, but um, you know how much does that contract negotiations impact the the attrition and 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 so on
2: so from a um i appreciate the sentiment about the picket on wall street that uh, with a lot of support from Alpa, turned out to be fantastic. But the you know the the focus is about the contract. Uh, we had a very stable carrier. We had one of the lowest attrition rates across the industry, up until contract negotiations really started to deteriorate. We spent a lot of time trying to deliver a message to our pilots that yes, you're going to get a new contract. It's going to successfully take you to the next level. And then when that became obvious that our management team didn't want to deliver that despite all the hard work and and success that the company has um, been able to achieve, you know, increased growth, more money coming in the door, that we just combined that with what it looks like around the rest of the industry and folks started flowing out the door. First, it was, you know, uh, a slow... Uh, Move to the exits, and we lost about 25% of our pilots last year, 2022. And we're at around 40% now uh, for 2023. It'll be, you know, I mean, I don't think we're going to hit the 50% number uh, for the year, but it's hard to tell because the, you know, hiring kind of ebbs and flows along the way. And it's for one reason. People came to ATI with the expectation that they were setting a career. We don't see that as much... Now, Uh, they're coming in the door uh, to get a 767 type rating, uh, potentially get some hours uh, on the aircraft and then head out to someplace else. And so that feeling
0: that they were coming for a career uh, has evaporated. Well, it's a shame that many of our companies don't understand that that pilots are the true stakeholders in this operation, because as you said, if you're there to make a career out of it, you're gonna try to make the place better. You know, on, on the fee-for-departure side, Adam, um, what are some of the challenges when you're trying to negotiate a contract, right? Because it's obviously different than what I'm familiar with at the, at the legacy-type operations.
1: Yeah, uh, pretty widespread across our, our segment of the industry with fee-for-departure carriers. You don't traditionally see all the way through a Section 6 process. There's a lot of that interim bargaining through letters of agreement, uh, memorandums of understanding, where you're just playing a little bit more small ball to eventually get to that larger objective. Um, Recently, very successfully, Air Wisconsin closed out their tentative agreement, wrapped up their Section 6 process, uh, but that's one of the first that we've seen in, in a significant amount of time in this segment of the industry.
0: Well, you at Endeavor have been very successful with the LOA process. What, what LOA number are you on now? It's got to uh, be in the hundreds, um, right?
1: We just signed 139, I think oh, it was, a couple wow, months that's ago. That's incredible. That's a great um, midterm from, bargaining. From, well, midterm for us goes long, though. Uh, we're still working out of our JCBA which came from the pinnacle Colgan masaba uh, merger back in 2011. Ah, wow. And so we tend to do just about one letter of agreement per month. Um, the other fee-for-departure carriers, it's maybe closer to maybe a month and a half or so uh, between or sometimes two months, but they, they keep a pretty consistent pace on that, size, uh, that side of things. Jazz is also pretty frequent to us. Uh, they just overhauled some of their pace structure earlier this year. Um, trying to come up to parity with what we're seeing stateside here, um, but it's a obviously much smaller labor market uh, north of the border uh, for for encore and jazz. Specific to a lot of the fee for departure carriers, you'll see pretty elongated amenable dates out of the carriers. I think most of us right now are right around 2029, 20, And so if, or when we approach closer to that point, your priorities are, are shifting to gearing up for that section six mm-hmm. process. Right. But for us, it seems like just as we're about to go over that cusp and start looking towards that range of things, then comes the contract extension, the pay rate increases and everything else. And you're, you're just seeing a continual delay to that, that full on bargaining process.
2: It's, it's frustrating for us, from our perspective, because we look at it where uh, the company is wasting X amount of money per month, and then they're looking at how much the new contract will cost them. And so the amount they waste has not exceeded the amount the new contract will cost them, but they're leaving out the unquantifiable part, which is as your core captains stream out the door. And you don't have people to upgrade, then you're not going to have folks to staff the jet. And, you know, so, yes, you may have saved yourself some money over here by not giving us a contract, but you've really just destroyed the foundation of the airline. And no growth. Right, know, growth grinds to all growth. Yep. Yeah. So.
1: Well, that's the exact same circumstance yeah. we're seeing systemic across the fee-for-departure right. side. There's no shortage of, uh, right now, from a pilot supply standpoint, Coming into the door with fifteen hundred hours, ready to hop in and get your type rating, it's those uh, high time first officers who become captain qualified, and the ones who actually upgrade and stay as a captain. When right now uh, a PSA first officer with eight hundred hours can start at Delta, or an Endeavor first officer with eight hundred hours can go into indoc at United. There's really no incentive at a regional level to stay on, upgrade as a captain and give back and be able to grow that airline. We've seen, I think it's around a 25% uh, decrease in pilot group sizes across the the industry from around this time in 2019. It's been up to mainline flying. You know, you've seen a, a equal growth uh, across the larger ALPA carriers, um, but there's, there's no feasible way for those regional carriers to grow without captains, um, and it's, you, they're driving pilots out the door with, with that philosophy of trying to prioritize the wrong wrong things inside the pilot group. Yeah.
0: Well, um, you know, on behalf of all of us, thank you both for your leadership. Thank I you know, for yours. Uh, I know the, that you're wearing two hats, Adam, and it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, and, and, and you're fighting a, a contract fight right now, Mike. So you know, thank you. And again, I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to our, our members today. Well, thank you for having us. I uh, appreciate your leadership. So, Thank you, sir. Well, now, listeners, it's my privilege to uh, introduce the next two uh, uh, visitors to our podcast today. I've got uh, Captain Garth Thompson, um, United Airlines MEC Chair, and Captain Darren Hartman, the Delta Airlines uh, MEC Chair. Uh, thank you both for joining us and taking the time away from, from our executive board meeting to, to speak to, with our listeners. Thanks for having me on. It's
3: a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Jason.
0: So let's dive into it. Um, you both have secured, you know, great contracts. You know, Darren, I was, you know, proud to be part of the team with with you and and, and finish uh, finish it out, you know, last uh, last fall and into early, you know, early January. So, you know, tell us about, uh, you know, uh, what it meant to get that agreement done and, and and how you got there, and 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 then we'll we'll throw it over to Garth for the same thing, who just basically you know, fought the same fight and, and achieved that just recently?
3: Well, I mean, personally, having everybody coordinated together was probably the greatest uh, achievement um, on the way to the contract. So we worked not only with the MEC, the admin, Com, strategic planning, SPSC. Um, it was just a coordinated effort, and getting to a 99% strike vote was probably the peak of of that achievement, um, knowing that we'd inspired unity at in our pilot at precisely the right time, so um, that would probably be that my largest takeaway from from the the the, the uh, negotiating of our contract.
0: Now I'll turn it over to you, Garth. Uh, you know, it it took a long time. You put a hell of a lot of effort into it, but but what can you share with our listeners about what you've gone through and the the you know the kick-ass job you did to get United where they are today?
4: Well, the. Uh, I guess our paths were a little different in that we came on the heels of a a tentative agreement that failed to the tune of 94%. And at the time I was line pilot, former rep, but hadn't done much work in a long time. And that whole process uh, brought me back into the fray and I went from being a a Denver captain representative to MEC chair in about a month and a half Mm -hmm. time frame. So uh, thrown right into the fire. Uh, We finally started negotiations after Delta achieved its tentative agreement we uh, had a management that wanted another carrier to set the the pilot market and they did in grand fashion and that was uh, a, a big impetus for us to begin negotiating uh, we started again uh, February 10th as uh, when we exchanged sort of almost new openers and it, it Grinded on for a while, but the what got us there along the same vein as the Delta pilots, maybe a little differently, was pilot unity. Uh, The pilots uh, were uh, certainly upset and expected more from the the previous round of negotiations. And then when they saw what the Alaska and then Delta pilots did, it it certainly solidified us and and gave us a lot of resolve and support from the line pilot to get us uh, moving at the table.
0: Was there any key moment or moments that that stand out to you in in that process i know i was i had the privilege of coming up and joining your picket in in chicago and just the the mass amount of folks that were there pilots line pilots that were were fired up and motivated uh if i'm if i'm not uh mistaken that we had too many that could join the picket at any one time so we had to rotate pilots in and out that it was incredible to stay there I know that was a key moment. Is there is is that or any other uh, multiple of moments that that helped you on, along
4: this process? Yeah, I would I would say certainly the the Delta Ten of Agreement and then the pilot unity piece, uh, culminating in these picketing events was was the big launch point for us to get our tentative of Agreement eventually. Um, yeah, and thank you again, by the way, for May twelfth. We, we did a picketing event in Chicago prior to that. And it was evident that the pilots were hungry to uh, get involved and to to show their unity and and their resolve to get a contract. And then May 12, I'm told, is the largest, at least, non-strike picket in ALPA's history. And and over 10 events. And like you said, there were several areas, several uh, airports where we exceeded the, the maximums by a large amount of our, our picketing permits. And so we had to get creative and cycle pilots in and out and, and move them through the airports and do some pseudo-picketing without actually picketing. Uh, but the pilots really got us there. Uh, they, they, they were right there with us. They'd been hungry for communication. They'd been hungry for being involved, and it showed on May 12th. How about how about at the Delta side,
0: Darren, with the with the picketing? We you know we started picketing over uh, fatigue related issues early on, uh, before we we did uh, contractual picketing. I think that that was well received by the pilots. Um, they understood that that we saw their frustration in the fatiguing schedules, and then you know how the turnout during our contractual picking was impressive so right. you know can you talk about that a little bit
3: i i yes um so i mean before that as the council 20 chairman i had led i think uh three pickets um in detroit the turnout was great the energy was was there um just getting pilots invested in the idea that you know we own the profession that that we're the long haul uh, long-term stakeholders of delta airlines you know Um, A message that our communication team reiterated over and over is that, you know, the Delta pilots have flown record amounts of overtime. We have ensured the financial success of Delta. And now, as long-term stakeholders, we need to share in that success. I also wanted to kind of hit on something that Garth said. You know, Alaska. You know, Alaska started this, really. And sometimes that, that gets missed. But I, you know, I wanted to give a you know, a shout out to the to the to our friends and and po- fellow pilots at uh, Alaska because that was kind of the the you know the first volley uh, o- you know over the over the bow the shot over the bow and you know we work with them We've, we we kind of built on the message and then you know United uh, you know built on that and I think that's great when we can communicate as. As a, as a as a union and work collectively together I think that's something that's missed it's kind of our strength and uh, you know um, I think you were talking about this earlier FedEx is kind of next to step into the breach and you know we should share and, and communicate and and ensure their success just as as we did to one another
0: yeah you bring up an excellent point and I've been stressing this for my 10 months is, and before that was we are stronger when we work together and we share information and we we try to figure out how it's us versus the companies, not us versus each other, right? Because that's something that in this round of bargaining we've done, which hasn't been in the past where we were willing to, hey, look, look under the tent a little bit and here's what we're working on, here's what you're working on and, and share that information amongst, amongst each other. And I think... You know, that's another thing with the, the national SPSC overhaul that we've done is getting those guys um, engaged and working and in helping out everybody. You know, it's not a one-size-fits-all, of course, but, hey, here's what worked at this property. You know, here's what we think. And, you know, I know that you used our national assets on SPSC, Garth. That, you know, I, I imagine that was helpful.
4: Oh, it was extremely helpful. And it, it really started with, uh, go back to the Alaska MEC, right after I was elected and we were beginning negotiations again. They reached out to us and said, hey, how can we help you? We just went through this process. A lot of things we learned, a lot of things we wish we'd have done differently, and a lot of things we did well. And we started out with a I can't remember if it was Teams or Zoom, but a, a call with, with their strike chair, who ends up being your national strike chair now, and, and uh, Will McQuillan, they were great to us. And then Delta MEC rolled out the red carpet for a group to come visit in Atlanta, and and shared their experiences and what they learned. And now I, you know, we and frankly we were a mess when we sort of reorganized as an MEC, and we had to learn some things rather quickly and and get back on our feet and and do something good for the pilots. And now uh, I'm getting asked questions. Um, in fact, going to visit other MECs to share what we learned and what we accomplished. And so that uh, gives me a lot of satisfaction personally, not to, not only that we did something good enough to be asked about, but that I'm in a position now to pay it forward. That's what this
0: is all about. Um, you know, it's it's so exciting to hear that, that we're all working together, that you know we're going to help each other you know pay like you said pay it forward that's an that's an excellent way to look at it um well uh captain garth thompson from united airlines and captain darren hartman from delta i really appreciate the time i know this is a busy week here at the executive board but uh i think that our members will will take value from from this conversation thank you both well, thank you thank you jason Thank you again for joining us. Uh, that concludes the two-part series on interviewing our MEC chairs from the executive board. Please look in the future to uh, interview other MEC chairs as, uh, as time permits. We appreciate you joining us and uh, look forward to speaking with you in our next uh, episode of the Airline Pilot Podcast. If you like our podcast, please subscribe and, uh, and pass the word on to your fellow crew members. Thanks and have a safe flight.
2: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Airline Pilot Podcast. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover, reach out at podcast at alpa.org. To listen and subscribe to the Airline Pilot Podcast, please check us out online at alpa.org or find us on all major podcast platforms. Until next time, this is the Airline Pilot Podcast. Production copyright ALPA 2023. All rights
4: reserved.